All right, this is the last, uh, my last message in this series called Radical Living. So we've called this Radical Living the outro. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Shout amen. amen. Please be seated. Lord, we're expecting you to do something miraculous in all of our lives, including the one speaking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage is, uh, has what I call several wow moments in it. Everybody shout wow. wow. If you look up the word wow, uh, you'll find that there are a number of single words used to define it. Words like astonishment, amazement, surprise, shock, wonder. And as I think about the wow moments in my own life, we're going to talk about this passage in just a moment, uh, I'm remembering at least two right now that are meaningful. One is, I remember many years ago being able to go and actually see the Grand Canyon. And if you've ever seen the Grand Canyon in real life, really... At least for me, the only word that came out was, wow. And I'm remembering when my youngest child, Lauren, was born. I was there, and towards the end of the delivery, it looks like she just got ready and said, just let me out of here. And so she, you know, came into the world, and I remember seeing her, and the word that came out just, wow. Everybody say, wow. wow. This passage has some wow moments in it. Uh, if you would pull the curtain back and look at this passage a little bit more in context, you'll find that uh, it really comes out of a dialogue that Jesus is having with his disciples as he asks them, uh, who do people say that I am? And in response to that question, they give him a variety of answers. And then finally, Jesus says, okay, that's great. But who do you say that I am? And Peter shouts out, uh, and it's a wow moment for him and for everybody. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, you know, all of Israel has been waiting on the Messiah to come for centuries And in that moment, they realized that the person that they had been with for three and a half years, he's the Messiah. Wow. And he was with them, and they were with him. As a matter of fact, they were his boys. Wow. The Messiah. It's awesome. It's a wild moment. As they proceed... On the road to Jerusalem, Jesus is headed towards, he knows that crucifixion is awaiting him. And so, uh, he pulls the disciples off to the side and says, look, I don't want you guys to be surprised. When I get to Jerusalem, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be murdered. On the third day, I'm going to rise again. And Peter really, like, wait a moment. No, 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 no. You're the Messiah. 
no, 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 let's, let's pull Jesus inside and say, we just need to talk about this. I don't know, maybe you're having a bad moment or something like that, but let me just encourage you. No, 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 that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan. Uh, the way you're talking is, you know, you're, 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 it's going to lead to my entrapment. You're thinking about this thing from a human standpoint, but I'm thinking about it from God's perspective. My suffering, and yes, there is suffering that is on my journey, awaiting for me. But my suffering is tied to your salvation. And then I think Jesus has a wild moment. I think Jesus kind of realizes, like, maybe they don't get it. And so the text says, in that very moment, verse 24, you know, he just, in, in a sense, he just... He, to the disciples that are there, meaning, you know, the, the 12, but then to the other folk in the crowd that by now call themselves his disciples. Look at what he says to them. He says, in a sense, I can just see him just standing and say, look, let me just get this clear. And he, so the text says, he says to his disciples, everybody say disciples. Says to them, I mean, these are people who are wearing the title disciple. These are the ones who, who, if you had asked them, they'd say, yes, I'm Jesus' disciples. In modern contemporary times, you know, this... These are the folk who go to church regularly, right? These are the folk who can quote good, you know, lots of scripture for you. These are folk. Jesus said, no, let, let, let me say, he, the text says, he says to his disciples, listen up. This is a wild moment. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And then here's where everybody go, wow, take up their cross and follow me. That was a shocking moment for the disciples that were listening because they understood this cross language was brutal and death and suffering and, and this is not what they had signed up for, right? They, many people became followers of Jesus because of what they saw, what they heard. They heard that, you know, a woman had an hemorrhage of had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She touched the hem of his garment and, 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 and she was healed. They heard that, that, that a fella had been blind since birth and Jesus spit on the ground and took his saliva and dirt and anointed the blind man's eyes and he saw again. They had heard that Jesus had walked into a 12-year-old's room who had died, Jairus' daughter, and spoke and she came back to life again. They had heard that uh, many of them had perhaps participated when, when he took five loaves of bread and, and, and two uh, fish and, 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 and fed 5,000 plus people. And they were like, this was like the best fish sandwich I ever, ever had. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they were there. They were like, you know, and we didn't even have to produce a credit card. And so it's like, you know, I'm going to stay around Jesus because, you know, if I'm around Jesus, you know, he gonna, you know he's going to feed me, right? Uh, uh, if I stay around Jesus, he's going to heal my relatives and my friends. If I stay around Jesus and, you know, I, I happen to die, he'll raise me from the dead. It's a good life insurance policy. I mean, you know, you see the point? That, that, that most of them understood that being a disciple of Jesus was about what they would get. It was about the miracles that they would experience in their life, the power that would come to them. It, 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 it's, it's, it's about, you know, the blessings that, that they would receive. And, and, and right in the middle of this, Jesus shockingly 
astonishingly says to them, you know what? Yes, those miracles are true. They reflect my heart. But, 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 but those miracles are going to lead to a crucifying moment. And if you follow me, come on, I'm not just going to only end up on the cross. You're going to end up on the cross. Death is in your future. But that's how I'm going to unleash a kingdom movement that is all about repairing the brokenness in the world and reversing the brokenness in you. So let's get this straight. Following me is extremely difficult. And they were shocked. They were shocked. So here's the first point, basic point. I, I just want to say it out loud. I think we kind of know this instinctively, but let me just say it out loud. Because oftentimes we preachers, we kind of make it seem like it's just like easy. But here's the reality. Being a Jesus follower is extremely difficult. It's not easy. Now that's shocking for some of us actually here in comparison to what some of us have heard all of our lives, right? Some of us heard, maybe some preachers say, if you follow Jesus, you'll get wealthy. And then maybe you read in scriptures and really discovered that <laughs> what Jesus essentially says to most folk who have wealth, give it all away. A little confusing. Maybe there's some of you who thought that the moment you gave your life to Jesus, life would become easy, simple. Just flow like river, like, like river water, easy. But the fact of the matter is you discover, because this is true, the moment you say you're a Christ follower, Jesus follower, your life becomes super complicated. Because now you're, decide, you, you, you're signing up to make a set of decisions that's going to set you aside, that's, that may make some people walk away from you, that may make your friends kind of say, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I mean, you're, 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 adopt, you're, you're saying yes to a life that requires sacrifice. It's difficult. Now, I suspect that uh, <laughs> there's probably somebody here saying, wow, I hadn't thought about it like that. But since you mentioned it, that's exactly why I'm not a Christ follower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have made that decision because I get the point. It's kind of difficult. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I want it easy. But most of us, if we have lived long enough and if we're mature enough, we know that the most enriching experiences of our lives always, can you say always? Always, always come out of difficult things. They always do. Well, my, my wife, I remember when she went to medical school, and we used to, on Sunday evenings, we used to have some members from our former church to come over and we'd play, we'd play spades together. And when she got in medical school, she couldn't do that. So she had to go she upstairs and lock herself in, in her room and study and she would hear us downstairs. We, we, we slapping the cards on the table. Pow! 
talking all kind of talk, all the noises all in the house. And literally, she was upstairs. She would be upstairs crying because she had to stay there and, and, and work week after week and day after day. And she would come to church, rush to church, get one worship and rush right back. All of the family stuff, all of the, the highfalutin, joy-filled things, she had to just miss it again and again. She had to give it up to concede it. She had to, in a sense, deny herself, not for weeks, not for months, but for several years. And yet, if she was here today, uh, a, a, a doctor for the last, she's been a doctor for almost 20 years, she would now tell you it was all worth it. It was all worth it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, her patients would especially say, I'm happy that she didn't play spades. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's good to have a doctor who knows what she's doing. The point being, there's not an enriching experience you can name in your life that didn't come out of hard work. So while it is true that following Jesus is super difficult and you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life and you can't do it without God's grace being at work in your life and while it's true, nevertheless, it's challenging, it's difficult, following Jesus is the most rewarding experience you can have on the planet. All right, let me tell you why the people were so shocked. Here's why they were so shocked when they heard what he said. First of all, the first thing in that sentence which gets your attention is he says, you know, you've got to deny yourself. The New Living Translation translates it, you've you got to turn from your, yourself. It's ways you've got to deny yourself. He's suggesting that it's a practice of self-denial. Now, this, this is, uh, let, 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 me, let me give you the, uh, two things. One is, let me just give you a practical example of, of how I know how tough this is, just out of my life about self-denial. I have an eating plan. I don't have diets. I have eating plan. And it means I plan to eat a certain way. <laughs> anyway, my eating plan, I don't always, you know, my plans don't always work out. And... Uh, they hadn't for about several weeks, and, uh, and I noticed, and I started, you know, picking up a little bit, and, and so I had to get back on my eating plan, and so this morning, my wife said, oh, you look slim and trim. I said, hey, <laughs> my eating plan, my eating plan. Anyway, when my eating plan is going just right, I am uh, denying myself of most, if not all, carbohydrates. I'm just generally eating meat and fruit. That means that I give up tons of stuff that I just love. <laughs> no cornbread, no rice, no bread at all, as a matter of fact. No cake, no pie, no candy, no Coke, strawberry, orange, unless it's a diet. I'm getting depressed going through the list. <laughs> I can tell you denying yourself is hard. Essentially, 
at the very heart of what it means to deny oneself is a shift in the paradigm and how we think. And it's at the very center of most of our decisions. Here's, here's, here's you know, many of us, we, 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 you know, if I'm looking at a half a dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts, here's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> Short-term pleasure, then long-term pain. But what I really should be thinking about is short-term pain, no to that half a dozen of Krispy Kreme, for long-term gain. That's what I should be thinking about. But in just about every choice, whether it's financial or whatever the case is, when we follow Jesus and we find ourselves at an intersection, what we're choosing for most times is short-term pleasure, long-term That's the, that's the task. And he's saying part of what he's saying. Now, let me tell you. When I'm eating on plan, after about four days, it takes me about four days to get it through my system. Then my appetite starts to change. And some interesting things happen. First of all, I'm just eating meat and fruit. I get a whole lot more energy. If you can imagine that, I have a Lord mother. I wake up earlier. When I wake up, I'm not sluggy or, you know, drowsy. I'm just. <laughs> I can run throughout the day. I can work till late at night. And then my brain, oh my goodness, it's firing on all cylinders. I mean, like, you know, I like, feel like I got a bonding brain. It's just working. Here's my point. To deny myself the carbohydrates hurts. It's tough. It's actually frustrating for a season. But it gives way to long-term gain because it helps me to become my better self. Now, not in the first couple of days. To go without carbohydrates for the first couple of days, you kind of have a short temple. But after that, my better self. Jesus says, part of following me is I'm trying to position you to help repair the brokenness in the world and to reverse the brokenness in yourself. So I'm going to stretch you in an opposite direction from who you think you naturally are. And it's going to hurt. So it's not easy to you, but it's good for you. And then he says, anyone's going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Now, when he said that, in that day, he created a real word picture for them. Because in the Roman-dominated culture that they lived in, they immediately got a word picture. Because they knew that in that time... If, uh, if, if Rome uh, found you guilty of a crime worthy of death, they would first scourge you, which would mean they beat you. Then they would take a cross. They'd take the, the, the horizontal part of the cross. They would force you to carry that part of the cross all the way to the place where you would be crucified. 
And then they would pull that off of you, build your cross, and put you up on the cross. So when he said, let anyone come after me, have to deny themselves and pick up their, cro- pick up their cross and follow me. Those the disciples, man, they got a real word picture. Like, what? And, and, and it was a wow moment for them. And many of them started to back away because they said, like, if that's what it means to follow you, that's just too hard. And Jesus says, all right, I want you to have that word picture because that's exactly what it means to follow me. Because it's not easy to repair the brokenness in the world and reverse the brokenness in you. Something has to die. And Luke says, daily, pick up your cross. All right, so that brings us to what we've been doing. I just wanted, I thought it was a great way to just summarize all the stuff we've asked you to do over the last several weeks of the series is to give you an opportunity to practice this whole point of what I call radical living. This, 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 this unordinary living for Jesus. So the first thing I talked about was radical generosity because after all, we love to hear the scripture quoted, for God loved the world this way that he gave his one and only son. We love it when God is doing the giving. But what God says is if you're following me, you got to be generous too. All right. So you remember this? I did the drawing for this uh, a number of years ago. I mean, uh, several weeks ago. And I said to you that what really has to happen, if you're going to seek first the kingdom of heaven, it ought to show up in how you spend your money. And I said, so when you first get your first, your paycheck, your next paycheck, here's how you ought to start spending. You ought to pre-decide, everybody say pre-decide in advance what percentage you're going to give away. Because giving, uh, uh, giving, uh, investing in God's kingdom uh, to the church, if you're part of a church family, to nonprofits like we've invested in, five nonprofits, both locally and in Haiti over the last several weeks. Uh, that should be your first agenda. That stretches your heart into generosity. I said, so you ought to pre-decide what percent you're going to give away. And the Bible gives us a target figure of 10%. That ought to be your target. But if it's too much right now, start somewhere. 4%, 5%, 6%, whatever it is. And then each year, push it up a percentage or two. Uh, 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 but make sure that you're giving first. And then I said, and then pre-decide what you're going to say. What you're going to say, 5%, 7%, 8%. Make that decision, right? And then save. Then obviously you're going to pay your taxes and by all means pay your bills. And then whatever is left, then that's what you go have a good time spending. Now, when I taught this several weeks ago, there were several folk that went, when they got down to here and they looked at that, they said, wow. Who they said, <laughs> Man, Pastor, I like the way, if I did that, I'm going to have this when I get there. <laughs> and some of y'all say, you know, you know, and I made the case that it might be hard now, but a year from now, you'll be in a different place. And some of you went home and you, you thought about it, you said, oh, that's just too hard. You know why it was too hard? You know why it was too hard? Because it's, everybody say sacrifice. You know why it's too hard? Because you're thinking about, you're already thinking about Christmas, and you know I've got a 40-inch TV. Somebody's thinking, i got a 40-inch TV. I've already been down to Costco's. They've got a 60-inch TV, and for Christmas, I'm getting the 60-inch TV. But this says no! And you're like, no, 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 i got to have the 60-inch TV. Right? Somebody else is sitting here thinking, man, you know, that you use logic like I, I, I've, I've used often in my own self, you know. 
iPhone 7 is out. Christmas time is coming, right? You, you get it. So I, I, here's, here's logic that I have used. Well, my son needs a new phone. So well, here's what I'm going to do. I'll just give him my phone, and I go buy a brand new iPhone 7. You know, it's all about my son, right? But if you commit to this following Jesus by investing in the kingdom first and changing your lifestyle of giving, you would be saying no to that big screen TV, no to the iPhone, no to another new pair of shoes uh, to go with the 30 pair of shoes you already got. No! I hope some of you today will leave here and commit to this before you go to Christmas. And yes, it's hard. It's supposed to be. Reversing the brokenness in your life is hard. And then I talked to you about serving. Our, language, our word for that was uh, radical sacrifice. And I, I said to, oh, by the way, we did get a chance to practice this. We all, I encourage you all to bring 35, 95, and we we're going to give it to five organizations. That's roughly two trips to Starbucks. And so sacrifice two trips to Starbucks. It was in $39.95. And, and I said, we wanted to target 30. We wanted to raise $30,000. We're going to give away every cent to five organizations, four local and one in Haiti. And you know what you guys brought? You actually brought more than $50,000. Let's celebrate that. I'm proud of you. And we've given away every penny. Every penny. To help the homeless, to help those coming out of prison, to, to be a part of the recovery in Haiti. Doesn't that make you feel good? I mean, isn't it worth giving up two trips to Starbucks? To be a part of repairing the brokenness in the world? That's what this lifestyle allows you to do. And then, then we said uh, about serving, radical sacrifice that follows of Jesus. We, we serve. And I told you about, you know, you, you, you ought to set aside two hours a week. I know you're running companies and I know you're a single mom. I understand that. So two hours or maybe an hour, an hour and a half, or, 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 or 45 minutes. But where you're going to serve somebody other than yourself. We practiced it this past weekend, hundreds of us in the rain. I was in Boston at a funeral and at the bedside of a dear friend of mine that was dying. But hundreds of you, including my wife and daughter, was, was out at these four different sites serving. Some of you couldn't go because you had to work, you had other responsibilities. But some of you, you woke up, it was raining. The bed felt really good. <laughs> it's like, it's just easy to stay here in this bed. But Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you deny yourself. You practice getting out of bed when you want to stay there. You go, sir. So here's my challenge to you, those of you who come here regularly to worship. Everybody say, worship one. 
Serve one. We have three worship gatherings. If you're not already, I'm just talking to people who are not already serving here, and you come here regularly. You know, you can worship at 8 and serve at 10. You can, you can worship at 10 and serve at, at noon, but, but, but you ought to be, be serving, parking cars, hosting, greeting, you know, signing up for our Christmas. Let me tell you, you know, somebody, you know, somebody the other day said, well, you know, parking cars, that, is that holy? So I had to share with this story. Celeste, who's, who is in charge of our operations, told me, she said the other day she ran into a, a, a woman who had been coming here regularly. And she said the reason she comes here is because of the warmth of this congregation. Warmth, that's, you know, you know the word warmth? That's another word for love. And, and, and she said the first day that she came, she was so nervous and anxious about coming. To, you know, she hadn't been to church in a while. And she used to think about, you know, I'm sure she had all these uh, bad images of church. So she said, but when she drove up on the campus, she said the, she was met by somebody who directed her with a smile on his face and directed her and helped her to find a, a, a parking place very easily and got her out of the car. She said she couldn't believe it. Just this encounter with this person who helped her get parked and out of the car changed how she felt about being on the church campus. And it opened her up so that when she got in here, and, and uh, you know, she sat down and she could experience the warmth and the worship and the teaching. And she just kept coming back. And she told this to Celeste. And Celeste told it to the parking people. And the parking people said, wow. They said, we thought we were just parking cars. But we're actually changing lives. That's what I'm inviting you to do. Worship one, serve one. Don't you come and experience the life transformation that happens in worship. Then get out here, man. Spend an hour and a half serving. You can check that off on your card right now, even as we work this through. I'm going to serve a couple times a month. I'm going to serve. Tell something to my heart. And then lastly, lastly, you know, last week, the last two weeks, I told you the followers of Jesus, I'm talking about this hard. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. You know, this cross is a symbol for suffering. And actually, when Jesus picked up the cross, you know, he, he, was, he didn't have any sin in his life. So he was really picking up our suffering. He was picking up our burden. So there's something about this notion of being willing to, 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 to experience pain on behalf of others that's kind of tied into following Jesus. And so last week, you know, I told you, last couple of weeks, I told you guys uh, about radical loving and radical forgiveness. And right after the election, you remember, we had this big conversation in here. I taught about, okay, okay, I know you've befriended people. You stopped talking to people because somebody voted for Trump. Somebody voted. I, I said, you know, go back and talk to these people. Let me tell you a couple quick stories. A quick story. I had one guy who met me after one of the gatherings and said, Pastor, I love you, but uh, I can't do what you just said. He said, I got too much hate in my heart. And we talked and prayed. Then he sent me an inbox. I thought we prayed and worked it out. And no, he sent me another inbox. He said, Pastor, you know. And since he's kind of saying, Pastor, you kind of, this is a little idealistic here, Pastor. Why, why do I have to act that way? Why do I have to do it? Well, you don't have to do it unless you're a follower of Jesus. And then I said to him in our, in our inbox, I said, listen, if you think person X hates you and you're going to hate them, 
But doesn't that make both of y'all haters? You can speak up for justice and stand up for what you think is right, but do it with love in your heart. He got it. He said, okay, pastor. I had another fellow who I learned that during the preaching of the message last week, they told me he got up and he, he, wanted, he wanted to leave three times during the message. But he forced himself to stay. And then afterwards, he went home. And he had befriended a whole lot of folk. He had defriended a whole lot of folk. <laughs> he defriended a whole state. He went home. I'm talking about carrying your clothes. I'm talking about bearing pain, not just on your behalf, but on behalf of repairing the brokenness in the world, being a part of God's work to repair the brokenness in the world and to do something about the brokenness in your own life. He went home and he, he said, uh, he got on Facebook and he sent a note to all the folk he had defended. My words, his sentiments, he essentially said, look, I still don't like y'all. <laughs> I just don't understand how you can vote the way you vote and, and all that. But my pastor said that if I'm a follower of Jesus, I've got to be a bridge builder. I've got, got to reach out to you and hear your story and visit with your pain. And I've got to remember that our relationship is bigger than one election. And you know what? And he was hurting while he was doing that. You know what? That hurting while you were doing that. You know what he was doing? Bearing his cross. That's what it takes to be a part of Jesus' work to repair the brokenness in the world and reverse the brokenness in you. And so here's why I ended. Everybody say practice. You know, I told you it's difficult to follow Jesus, but it's also rewarding to follow Jesus. And there's two reasons why. At the end of that passage, he says, those who try to hold on to their life, in other words, do it your way, will lose it. And those of you who will lose your life for my sake, in other words, if you will agree to follow me and do life the way I told you to do it, will gain it. He's saying two things about that. One, he's saying, look, 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 look. If you, if you entrust your life to me, even death can't take it away. That's a pretty good deal. You get life that lasts in Jesus. But secondly, he's saying, he's saying not only do you get life that lasts, but you get life that fulfills you richly and deeply in Jesus. Because if you live a life that gives radically, that serves radically, that loves radically, that forgives radically. It will line up with how your soul is shaped. And you come in here for worship and you receive grace and forgiveness and you pour it out. I'm talking about living a rich and deeply fulfilling life. There's nothing that can touch it. Then here's what I like about it. Then Jesus removes the requirement to have to be flawless. 
He gives you grace. He says you can mess up and try again and mess up and try again because it's a journey. It's not just a one-time experience. And he allows us to learn through practicing. That's what we've been doing, practicing. Everybody shout practice. All right, here's my last story. Listen, this, this is a true story. When my wife and I first got married in the first year, year and a half, she had very little to say to me. We'd be sitting there with her talking. I, was, I probably I gave a reason to, but anyway, we didn't do a lot of talking. But when she got on the phone with her mom, yap 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 yap. yap. <laughs> so I got upset one day. I, when she got on the phone, I said, "Baby, how is it that you can yap 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 with your mom for an hour, and you have nothing to say to me?" <laughs> she said, "Listen." When I talk to mama, and I say, Ma, I went to the store today, and I bought this dress. Mom gets all into it. She says, oh, really? What color was the dress? How much did you save? And you went back and forth, back and forth. She said, when I tell you I've been to the store today, you go, mm-hmm, click, 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 click. <laughs> she said, why, who wants to talk to that? You know, love, love, love will make you do some strange things. Remember, by the way, that passage begins with these words. Actually, the New King James Version puts it this way. Let him who will come after me. In other words, let the one who loves me enough. And so love will make you do some interesting things. And so I, I thought about this all week. So next week, Rhonda came home. I said, I said, babe, where you been? She said, oh, I went to the store. I said, store? <laughs> I said, girl, where you go? What store you went to? <laughs> she, said, she was laughing. She said, I tell what the base is. She said, oh, I just picked up a few. Th-. I said, what you pick up? She said, I said, let me see them shoes, girl. Come on here. How much money did you save? Woo, that was some cute shoes, girl. <laughs> Everybody say, practice. All right, I had to practice. 30 years later, it's normal. It's a natural part of me. I mean, it comes out in surprising ways. I mean, just the other day, I was in a staff meeting, and they told me that one of our uh, folk, uh, Eric and Rachel, had had a baby, and I had been tracking them, praying with them, and, and the baby had been here like a week, and I didn't know about it. I was just really caught off guard, and they said, had a baby? I said, what? A baby? She's, he's here. Oh, my God. And then I was like, where did that voice come from? It's a natural part of it. And I saw the baby. I was like, oh, my God. So cute. Oh, my God. It's just got to come out. I said, man, what happened to you? That's the point. When we practice living generously, our heart starts to grow. When we practicing, when we practice serving, something begins to slowly happen in our souls. When we practice loving and radical forgiveness, we'll find ourselves before we know it, we'll start, we'll start acting that way. You know, it, it was once a practice, but then it becomes who we are. 
And we one day will look in our mirror and see ourselves having conversations that we would never have. See ourselves doing stuff like, you know, our house has emptied out, right? Of some, some people, you know, maybe all your kids have grown up and you say, you know, I, there's a lot of foster kids around. Maybe I'm going to adopt some foster kids. Or, or people have huge homes and they say, you know, we don't need all this house. Sell the house. I'm going to take the money and begin to do something to repair the brokenness in the world. And, 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 and it'll just start coming out. And one day you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to go, wow. And one day, folk that you used to couldn't get along with, you couldn't stand, but now you've learned how to forgive, they're going to look at you and they're going to go, wow. And Jesus is going to look at you not because you're perfect, but because you're just not ordinary. And he's going to go, wow. Give God a hand of praise. That's the day. So here's always next steps. You hear the teach now. It becomes real, real when you do something about it. So maybe you want to. Check, I'm going to follow Jesus. There's a whole list of things. You ought to look at it. And make a commitment. Serve. But then under the response to the message, here's what I want you to consider. Only write it if you mean it. Because you don't have to be flawless, you can just be faithful. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you under the response to the message to make a commitment by simply writing, I will practice radical faithfulness. And let's just see how your life and the world around you has changed in the process. God bless you.